Diversion Audio. Welcome to Dear Skylar, where I talk to all kinds of incredible people about topics that I'm asked about as a transgender educator and activist. Things like gender, sexuality, race, sports, mental health, and so many things in between and beyond. Some of you may already know this, but my original claim to fame, if you will, was that I was the first openly transgender athlete on a Division I men's team. I swam for Harvard University's men's team for all four years, and I was the first transgender athlete to do so for all four years. This gave me a platform to talk about my experiences as a trans person, particularly as a trans athlete. In fact, I gave 102 speeches before I graduated from college, and I was probably interviewed hundreds of times. But the initial reason I was even able to swim for Harvard or be at Harvard in the first place was my coaches. Stephanie Murawski, the women's coach, first recruited me to swim for Harvard women's team in 2013. I committed that fall, and I was supposed to begin the following year in the fall of 2014, but as you'll hear us discuss in our conversation, I ended up taking a gap year to work on mental health. During that year, I learned that I'm actually transgender. I'm not a woman, I'm a man. And in early 2015, Kevin Terrell, the men's coach, offered me a spot on the men's team. My coaches, Steph and Kevin, were integral to my process and my time at Harvard. But until now, I've never had a public conversation with them about my experience. So here today is that conversation. The question we'll address is, how can coaches support trans athletes? Like I said, I'll be talking with my coaches, Stephanie Murawski and Kevin Terrell. Steph was the Costin family head coach for Harvard Women's Swimming and Diving, the Raggett's family Harvard Women's Coach of Excellence. Steph has coached for 26 amazing seasons, and in addition to being an incredible coach, Steph is also Harvard Class of 92 and one of the most decorated swimmers in Harvard history. Kevin Terrell is the Eulen Brooks Endowed Coach for Harvard Men's Swimming and Diving. Under Kevin's leadership, the Harvard men's team grew to be on the national stage, even placing at NCAA championships. Kevin was also named the Harvard James Herscott 58 Coach of Excellence in 2019 through 2020. I'm so honored that both Kevin and Steph could join me for this conversation. Kevin, Steph, I'm so excited that you are here. Welcome to, to Dear Skyler, my new podcast. Thanks for having us. Excellent. I'm really excited to, to be able to come back here. We're at Blodgett Pool um, in Kevin's office where I've spent a good amount of time over uh, my four years here. Um, we're right next to the office that I first had a very important conversation with you, Steph. Um, so I would love to start off just because I know you two quite well, but the audience might not. Could you share quickly, name and intro, maybe your name and pronouns, a little bit about who you are, what you do here at Harvard, um, and we can we can kind of walk in from there. Sure, I'll start. I'm Stephanie Morosky. I have been at Harvard for uh, 28 years total, 26 as the head coach. I use she, her pronouns. And I am the Costin family head coach for Harvard Women's Swimming and Diving, official wow. title. 26 years, I didn't know that. Wow. As the head coach, yeah. Amazing. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, my name's uh, Kevin Terrell. I'm uh, the head men's swimming and diving coach at Harvard, and I've been here for 18 years, and I use the he, him pronouns. And, uh, Looking forward to talking today and hopefully making a positive difference in the world. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, both of you have already made a huge positive difference in, in my life, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk with both of you today. Um, so I'll, I'll start with, with you, Steph. Um, I, I first 
received communication, I want to say, from you in back in 2013, 2012, maybe even, um, when I, I, I think I came onto campus April of 2013 during my junior year for like a junior day. Um, and that was when I began the recruiting process with Harvard. Um, and I just, I was curious if you remember what it was like then. I mean, it was a while ago now. It's more than more than 10 years ago, which is crazy to think about. But I'm curious if you remember what it was like first meeting me. At that time, I wasn't out as trans, so it was a very different time. Right, correct. Well, I think you followed the process that we typically have for recruits. Uh, and that was a long time ago now, 10 yeah. years. That's wild. And yeah, I remember junior day. Um, I remember, I think you were there with your father. Yep. I recall. Yeah. And I remember, you know, one of the things we do is we have, um, aside from you walking around campus and uh, getting to know the team, is we also sit down with you and say, you know, have a conversation and say, can we, in our opinion as coaches, can we see this student athlete here at Harvard? Can we see them mm -hmm. being successful? Do they have kind of what it takes? And one of the things that I, I think came up early on was your back. You, you broke your back. Mm -hmm. I think you told us about that early on. Probably. And I remember being very impressed by how you explained what you learned mm. after the injury, like being in your bed and not being able to move and how you sort of processed what swimming meant to you and how you couldn't do something that you loved for a very long time. And when it, it just gave you a new respect and love for the sport, that it wasn't something that you had to do. It was something that you honestly love to do. And I remember that just stuck with me because I mm. think that swimming in general is a, just a very challenging sport. And a lot of people go through phases of sort of this love hate relationship with their sport. Absolutely. And when you have a, something that happens that gives you a new perspective, it can really transform like who, who you become as a college athlete. Um, in, in going through something not that we wish an injury on anyone, but sure. most of the times when people struggle with injuries, you either quit or you become like the best team player and athlete out there because you just don't take anything for granted. And I remember that in particular, like really stuck out to us. Mm -hmm. Well, that actually is and what I ended up writing my common app essay about was was the back break. Um, so I, I think I remember you guiding me to saying that would be something that would be interesting to readers um, <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, where you were saying, yeah, this is something that impacted you when you were thinking about recruiting me. Um, so fast forward a couple months, then I think that summer you actually came to my house. I remember um, we have this purple couch in, in my in my house that I grew up in. We sat down on this couch and, and you met me there. Um, and I was I was just like awestruck that you know harvard had a coach at my house <laughs> um but uh you recruited me i ended up deciding to to obviously of course obviously um i was so excited to accept the, the the recruitment here um and then several months later this is now almost a year after well more than a year after you first um, met me i gave you a phone call um and said i had to had to take a year off basically um and you were very supportive of that and i, I was afraid to tell you i was struggling with an eating disorder um i'm curious if you remember that also that moment I when i called you um what was it what was it like well i it did not come out of the blue because I don't know if you remember this, but you kind of brushed off a lot of previous calls <laughs> uh, uh, or times to set up calls. And gotcha. you know, that was just an indication. And you probably don't even remember that you were really doing it. But yeah, starting yeah. probably in December of your senior year in high school, moving through to the 
March or April when you yeah. finally said you just couldn't come up for the visit to us weekend. Yeah. There were definitely indications um, that you were sick a fair mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I would text you and you'd say, oh, I can't talk this weekend. Um, we'll reschedule. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't our prior relationship. You mm-hmm. were very responsive. And um, we kind of knew that there was something going on. But obviously, it's like, is Skylar really busy? Is mm-hmm. like, What is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you did call and finally say, hey, this is what's really going on, the pieces just fell into place. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't completely out of the blue. Um, I think the issue was because I didn't know what you were struggling with. Sure. Um, and obviously there's deeper than just the eating disorder. Sure. But we knew that there it, it kind of explained a lot of little subtle behaviors. And right. in our world and as coaches, like those little things they matter those building those relationships and you get to know somebody really well. And so when little things start to not make sense, that's when you kind of take a step back and you may not have all the information to figure out why, but yeah. yeah. So I do remember that phone call and I remember thinking to myself, like if this was my child, mm. I would definitely, especially if it's you, how you explain it to me was you switched uh, psycho- psychologist. Yeah, I had saw, seen time. a new therapist, and the new therapist was the one who, on one time meeting, you said you've got to go do something. Yeah, and when you relayed that to me, I just then, I mean, obviously, we wanted you to take care of you. Yeah, that's the number one thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that conversation emboldened me to the sort of the, the last big conversation leading up to the big conversations, if you will, that we had where I called you to tell you more about my gender. Um, and I remember being very nervous for that conversation. I'd, I'd been in eating disorder treatment. It had been a couple months since I talked to you um, and you were calling to check in to see how I was doing. Um, and I, at this point, had figured out that I was trans, but I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this piece of information now? Um, but you had been so supportive of my mental health. You had, I think you'd said something about, you know, being a mother and how that had informed your, your way of coaching. Um, and so I just told you, I said, I said, very frankly, I I'm, I'm trans and I don't know now what, (laughs) um, what did you feel in that moment when I said that? I mean, that was very different than an eating disorder. Yes. Clearly. (laughs) And I think I remember and I don't remember what exact words I used, but I definitely remember thinking and probably saying to you because this entire process, pretty much any thought that I've had, I think I've just simply shared, Yep. which was, I really don't know much about this, but I'm sure we could figure it out. I mean, at this point, and this is where Kevin and I align, um, align on many things, but specifically, you're a student athlete accepted to Harvard. Why wouldn't we try to make something work? Like this was a university that had already admitted you and swimming is just a sport. You know, we respond to the human, to the person that is in front of us. And swimming is just, we coach and it's a way for us to, I mean, we love our sport and the people who swim love their sport or, you know, dive obviously is, you know, Kevin said, we are technically the head coach of swimming and diving, <laughs> but we're, we're working with athletes, but I think we use the sport as a vehicle to help create, you know, stronger life skills yeah. uh, and doing it in a, in, through something that you're passionate about. So when you had said that, uh, that you were trans and you weren't really like you wanted to still swim and how would that affect things? It, yeah. So it's the, it's the educator in me, but it was also the mother in me, like mm. you were accepted. So why wouldn't we just work with you and figure it out in that I had no experience with this. And so you would have to just be 
like open to just being very understanding with us as well so that we could go through the process together. Right. Right. I, that's exactly what I remember too. You just said, listen, I don't, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. And I think that has been a theme. Well, it was a theme for, for all of my college experience with, with both of you. Um, and I felt supported throughout college by you too, Steph, where, um, there was just an openness of like, let's, let's do this together and mm -hmm. let's, we don't know, let's figure it out. Um, so I actually, I, I, from that point, I was pretty much convinced I would swim for the women's team and I would figure out my transition along the way. And you, you and I had multiple conversations from that point forwards. I think that was, I want to say that was the fall of, of, of 2014. Um, and it was leading into my the, sort of the full gap year. And at some point you began to have conversations with Kevin. And I actually don't know a whole lot about that. I, I just know that you had a conversation with him and eventually he offered me the spot on the men's team. But I would love to hear what happened between you two when you had those conversations, because you were thinking about what to do with me essentially. And kind of, I was told just thinking about the best options for me. Um, so yeah, I was curious. I don't know which one he wants to speak on. Well, about. I'll start because I think that this I am very clear on okay. this whole <laughs> area, this whole timeline. So yes, I think you told me in November that you were trans and then okay. to help um, you were going to move to Boston in January yep. and get everything in place. Your therapist has said, just get to where you are going to be in the fall, right. establish your support system, mm -hmm. know your surroundings. Right. And we met in January and um, we had a great conversation. Yep. But, right in the office over there. Yep. <laughs> but you're, you initially said, you know, we're, I'm trans and, you know, I'm going to figure this out, but, you know, no one can tell me, you know, I'm going to, what my pronouns are and I, I can come and, you know, swim on the, on the women's team and there's no legislation to stop that. And I was like, you're right. This looks great. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. And then what I think you, because you were going through it, I was looking at it from the outside mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was your every week you went further and further down this path that you were in my mind, moved yourself completely further away from the women's team mm -hmm. without you actually realizing that you mm -hmm. were doing it. Mm -hmm. So it first was, and I don't know if you remember this, but it was like just using the pronouns, mm -hmm. no problem. Then it was, well, I, my biggest fear is that I don't want to be outed on mm. the other side of the river. Mm. I want everyone to use, you know, he, him pronouns, but I then am going to be on the women's team here, but I don't want anyone on the other side of the river to know that. I don't mm. know if you remember saying that. To I, me. I remember it now <laughs> that you said it, but now that yeah. I, I remember now thinking about it, that's complicated. <laughs> and then we were talking about equipment. And obviously at that time we were sort of sponsored by Lululemon mm. and getting men's gear for you, which right. was fine. Right. But thinking about all the things and I just, you, your voice just kept saying in my head, like everything that you, mm. we wanted to be very supportive of the gear, of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just finding a, a locker room or something where you mm -hmm. felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, every conversation we had, and we had them almost weekly or right. bi-weekly, yeah. um, you were more and more your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And trying to have it just seemed like why would we hold you back mm. on the women's team mm. just to swim mm -hmm. and i remember having a few conversations with you when you're like but it's the women's team and i could make a difference here mm. and which you could mm. <laughs> and we would have loved having you swim for <laughs> us but at you the meant same, like an athletic difference yes or? like mm. as an athletic difference yeah. um just from the from that because but that was what it was like at that point 
you didn't want to, well, at least think you said, I I just want to be me. I don't want to be the person out there. You didn't have any role models for yourself, which is why you're doing this now. And it's so commendable. But at the time you're like, I just, you were just taking care of you. Right. You're physically and mental health. You're taking care of you. Mm. But we got to a point where it, it just seemed like I needed to pull in Kevin mm. and Kevin being Kevin is great and laid back. And I said, Hey, I just have something I need to ask you. Mm-hmm. I have a swimmer already accepted at Harvard. Mm. Um, he's a transgender swimmer and we're going to have, he wants to swim on the women's team. And Kevin in typical Kevin fashion was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. He should just swim for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really that simple. And mm. I said, would you be willing to meet Skylar? Mm. And Kevin's like, sure. Yeah. And th- that part was simple. It was watching you. And again, it's me not being a coach because as a coach, you, you know, I recruited a one-on-one hunter breaststroker, mm-hmm. but as like a person, as a mother, I-, I couldn't watch you put yourself through being on the women's team just from an athletic perspective. Mm-hmm. That's not who you, you know, that's not who you were. Mm-hmm. And that was my, that was my experience. And I do remember, Mm. um, saying something to you about, um, can't remember what we're specifically talking about, but just like playing it forward and saying, okay, let's say you do this for one year, Mm -hmm. then what happens on year two? Mm -hmm. So you have an unbelievable ability right now. You know who you are right now. You might not have it all figured out, Mm -hmm. but you know, most of it. Mm -hmm. You get to start college and this is a great, this is where you can start as you. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to just start as who you want to be and continue for four years than to swim on the women's team for one year and then say, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't think I can do this for three more years and then switch. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying that. And I remember really thinking about that too. And the concept of then switching mid, mid, you know, mm-hmm. mid college career, um, I want to go back to what you said in terms of, of bringing this to Kevin, because I, I, you told me the same thing several years ago um, that Kevin was just like, well, if you're if identify as a man and you're already here at Harvard, why wouldn't you swim for me? And it was that simple. Tell me what was Kevin, what was going on for you in that moment when when, you know, Steph, I'm assuming she walked into your office and started Wait, talking well, I mean, to you. That's like, part of the thing, Skylar, is that <laughs> Steph and I talk about all sorts of stuff, swimming related, uh, trying to make our athletes better people. So we're having those conversations all the time. So I think she had probably mentioned you multiple times before we got to that point and just sort of where you were at in your life and all that kind of stuff, just mm-hmm. because I share the same thing with her in terms of what's going on with my athletes. And that way we're, you know, trying to figure out the best solution rather than just one brain. We've got two, or at least she has a full brain and I have <laughs> some, some percentage of a brain that, that, that functions. Uh, and then I just take things very simply from there. Like mm. if this would be benefit to somebody who's already been accepted to Harvard, then why not have them join the men's team? I mean, it could be a good learning experience for everybody. And I just keep things, things that, that simple. So it wasn't really much of a thought process. It's what we would try to do for any Harvard student in any situation is what is the right thing for them. Hmm. And in your case, it was all right. Well, he's a guy, then it makes sense to swim on the guy's team. So <laughs> why not? Right. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I have to put that in context though, is that we're, you know, we're not a scholarship institution, so you weren't going to take any money away from anybody else. Uh, I'm very lucky that Harvard does not give me roster 
caps mm. in terms of like that I can only carry so many guys on the team because of the the nature of the athletic department and in Title IX. So I have the freedom to do that where a lot of people don't have that luxury. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's nice to work at a place where you have the the opportunities to do the right thing for individuals mm-hmm. and not be hampered by some legislation or some administrative guidelines that need to take place. And other places do it differently, but that's just sort of how we operate here is how we can take care of the kids at Harvard. I, I think that that has been the single most important thing that I experienced from both of you and from Harvard generally, actually, is that I felt very supported as a person throughout my experience here. And it started with with you, Steph, and then carried on with you, Kevin, and then with Bob Scalise as well, who was the athletic director at the time. The conversations with him seemed like they also were quite simple, so to speak, um, and that he was also very supportive. I don't know which one of you had the first conversation with Bob Scalise about about me, but do you do you remember? It's a good question. I remember being in one committee meeting where it came up and talking about the logistics of making it happen, but there was never a question of whether it was going to happen. I agree with that. But that was really early on. And he just sort of said, like, can you educate me on how this you think it's going to work? And then Steph and I are kind of like, well, we don't really know. (laughs) There's no template for this. There's nobody we can call to say, like, hey, what has your experience been? But he's like, we trust you. And make sure that you're keeping us informed. So if there are things that we can do to help Skylar out, we'd be happy to do that. But there was never any like big uh, presentation to Bob on why this would be a good thing to do or not. It just sort of was like, if the coaches think it's the right thing to do, what can we as administration support them to make it happen? Hmm. I do want to go back though to um, Kevin keeping it simple because I do actually think that Kevin doesn't, I mean, he gets tons of credit for this, but like, not everyone would have had his response. Of, of course. So yes. yes, we had had some conversations, but actually saying, Kevin, can Skyler swim for you? Would that make sense? There are many coaches out there that may not have said yes. Yeah. So I want to make sure Kevin gets the credit for saying yes. And we have a really good working relationship. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But there, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, but it's not necessary. It's, you know, it comes down to like, if you can help somebody else out in life, then why not do it? Right. Well, that's how you and I think, but I feel like that's not how everyone thinks. So I think what you said to is really important. And that's what I was, I was going to say is I, you know, I've, I've traveled now around the country giving speeches about my experience here and my experience with you two. Um, And first of all, I have to give you the thanks from every other trans and queer athlete I've met. They've always said, thank your coaches for me. So you all have a lot of thanks that, that the world wants to give you, um, especially from kids like me. Um, People are always surprised at, at both of your actions, but especially Kevin, your action in terms of taking me on to the team. Um, and I, you know, I, I've told people, well, to me, he's he just he said it was simple that he wanted to support mm-hmm. me, and that was really it. And my question, or the question from other people, has been has been why, right? Like, what emboldened you to be that open, I guess, supportive? You had told me, I, th- I think, um, if I'm correct, you told me you'd, you'd had some like gender class you'd taken or you'd taken some course about gender inclusion. I can't remember. Well, I think some of that was, you know, at the time, I think I was taking classes across the river and, and that was that was part of it. But, um, you know, if you go way back, back in, geez, this is like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Um, we actually had a young woman in our high school who I played football with. Okay. And I, there wasn't very much publicity about it because I'm not sure how long she made it, maybe through sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. And it was great because she just, I mean, she wanted to play football and she hit hard and she was a good football player and it was <laughs> awesome. Right. 
So I've, I've always just sort of looked at it from like, it's not that different, which mm. is okay. Um, if you had been somebody that was not passionate about getting better and Steph had said that, that somebody just wants to, you know, go ahead and do it for four years and just sort of muddle through it. Mm-hmm. But I knew through the backstory and through all that kind of stuff that you wanted to work and you wanted to go to best, best times in this, in this, the small part of my life that is just coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, I want people to be successful and I'm, Part of it is I want people who want to go best times and you went best times while you were here. So I got no complaints. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I do view myself as an educator, but like, I like winning and there are meets where you scored points. Helps. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to come here originally on Steph's team and then on, on your team because I, I love swimming. And I think both of you have, have noted that as an important sort of through line. Um, and, and, you know, swimming is one of, it still remains one of the most important parts of my life, even though I still swim that frequently. And so um, I think that that collect, it sounds like that collective passion um, for athleticism or athletic ship. I don't know what the right word is, but um, the fact that we all love swimming, that you all want to make your, your athletes, you know, um, have a, have a place where they can love swimming, right. And they can continue to swim, continue to improve themselves is really important. Um, so you passed me to Kevin. I then had a conversation with you staff after, um, Kevin said, you know, you can, you can come to this team if you want. Um, and then Steph, you and I sat in that office over, over there and you said to me, you can swim for either team. Um, and I actually, my memory is that during that conversation, I said, no, I said, I want to stay on the women's team. Do you, do you remember what happened that, that day? You were worried about, uh, yes, you definitely had concerns because you were not socialized younger really through high school right mm-hmm. on on a men's team and yeah. you were worried about um making that it was seemed very sudden mm-hmm. like in my mind i was watching you from january on mm-hmm. but with kevin's acknowledgement of yes you can do that it was very sudden mm-hmm. so you probably i don't remember you specifically saying yes but i'm uh, uh, sorry saying no that you were not going to take that offer but mm-hmm. i don't remember uh, I remember you thinking about it, and right. I believe what we said was, "Why don't you come for the the Visitas weekend mm-hmm. and hang out a little bit with both teams, right. and then decide?" Right. Because that was a big part of it. Like we wanted you to feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and I I think that was the weekend um, that you started with us, and then you went and hung out with the men's team. Yeah, I like spent half correctly. the time with yeah. each. I like did both the right. whole weekend. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I do remember a hard no in there, though. I remember you walking in at one point. Oh, going maybe. Like, hey, yeah. and Scholar said no. And I was uh, like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, think I said me. it. <laughs> and then, uh, but then I do think that you had follow-up conversations yeah. uh, with Scholar about uh, coming on a visit to us and spending mm-hmm. time with everybody. And I, I had a feeling that once you met the guys team that you would sort of be like, all right, they're not. This this could work. Out. Yeah. You know, it's, gonna, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be. And deep down inside, they have the right values. Yeah, yeah. They're still well, dumb teenage guys. <laughs> not kid ourselves. I mean, I, I think that I was very afraid. I remember feeling like, I yeah. think what I said to you was like, I know how to be myself around women, but I don't know how to right. do that yet around men. And that scared you. Um, and it was really scary. And I think that I hadn't met you yet, like directly. I think I'd seen you, you know, in passing, but I don't think we've sat, we'd sat down in this office and had a conversation but I think Correct. we had it right after that. I mm-hmm. think you were like, I just, I think you should just meet Kevin. Right. Then you should just meet the captains. Um, and and sort of that was what started the, the comfort. And the captains were great. I, I sat yeah. down with the captains at the time. They were awesome. I, I, you know, I'm still 
friends with them now. And they were both really supportive, excited. They were like, maybe you could still swim for Steph, but you can be socially part of the men's team, or we could find some in between for you if you want. You can also compete for us. Um, they did say that uh, at the time I had my mastectomy, my top, top surgery, and <laughs> I was very nervous about people seeing it which is funny now that I, everybody has seen it. But um, at the time, I was very nervous about people seeing my chest. And, and I think one of the captains was like, we'll just tell people a shark bit you. Okay. Um, and they were like dead serious about that. Well, it's, <laughs> it's about right for our guys in terms of level of intelligence and excuse making. <laughs> but, you know, they, uh, they had the right intentions. They did. Which was, okay, make something fun out of this and, and just make sure that Skylar feels comfortable. That's yeah. all that matters. We'll be right back with Dear Skylar in a minute. So you, you also told me that you had a conversation with the guys before, um, well, I sort of got to gloss over some time, but basically I spent time with the men's team. I spent time with the women's team. Um, Steph, you and I had another conversation that sort of like, this was like the yeah. conversation where we sat down in your office after Visitas. I'd had a very emotional Visitas. We probably don't need to get into all the details of that weekend, but, um, or we can, but, um, after that, you actually, you pulled me out of practice. I was in a master's practice here, um, not yet practicing with the team. And you pulled me out of practice and you said, what? What Do you remember, do you remember talking do. to me? <laughs> well, I do because uh, I remember hearing from my team and my team gave some of the feedback that you seemed very comfortable with the men's team. And it just seemed like a no brainer. Mm. And again, like sometimes we we can see things a little clearer from the 10,000 foot view looking down. Mm. And I think I, what I specifically said is that you've got two coaches who support you. You've got captains on both sides that support you and you've got teams that support you in an athletic department that supports you. Mm. And it's not going to be easy or comfortable, but you need to jump. Mm. <laughs> and in, in other situations, like sometimes when you take that leap, you, there's no one there to catch you. But mm -hmm. in this case, there was. There's mm -hmm. so much support in place. Mm -hmm. It's like you had a harness on. Yeah. I think that's what I used. Yeah, and like you just need to you need to take the jump. And that was my and I wasn't I, I didn't know where the words were going to land, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be as honest with you as I could be mm -hmm. because this was a unique situation for all of us. Mm -hmm. And if you had said at that point, no. I'm going to be on your team. Fine. I would probably have, that was my last, like, I just need to let you know. Yeah. And if not, then we would have just made it work on the women's team. Right. But I wanted to just be very honest with you that what I was seeing on the bigger level and also circling back to the fact that, you know, you weren't alone in this. And yeah. I think that was the big thing to make sure I was trying to convey is that you're not alone. Like this isn't going to be easy. But you have a lot of people who are going to support you yeah. in doing this. And again, as a parent, if my child was going through this, that's exactly, I would want them to be like their authentic self mm -hmm. and be supported mm -hmm. by people around them. Yeah, yeah. I remember that conversation so clearly and and I have repeated your words in, in hundreds of speeches now where you said you have a harness on, people are there to catch you, you just, you got to take this risk for yourself. Um, and you did couch it with saying, I'm not pushing you, please like do what you want to do. And I remember feeling that, that freedom. Um, I very much, I very much felt the freedom to do it myself, but it, it was the, the, the encouragement that I needed, I think, because I had spent the weekend, um, hanging out with the guys and, uh, there was a point where they had, they had like 
everybody introduced themselves at, at some, you know, before a party, one of the nights and we, everybody had to introduce themselves to me. And then I was asked to repeat all the names back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'd done so successfully and they had all cheered. And it was just like this moment where I'd felt like I, I belonged there for a second. Good. Um, and, and that was consistent and you know, all the guys had been supportive of me and there had a mo- been a moment where we had a meeting, the recruits had a meeting with you. I think it was at Paneros, I don't know, one of the, yeah, I remember that. And, um, and one of the guys walked by and you repeated this back to me, but one of the guys walked by and I was like, Hey, look, it's, it's, you know, that guy. And, and that was, you had, you had been like, you were so much more excited to see him than you were to sit with the women. And you were like, Skylar, reflect on that, you know? Um, so of course I, I chose to swim for the men's team. I say, of course, because we're here, we're having this conversation. Um, but Kevin, when I chose to swim for the men's team, you then had a conversation with the guys, right? Or was it before? I can't remember. Oh, I don't multiple, know Multiple, multiple conversations okay. over multiple weeks. Um, so we had, uh, in general, I think the entire team got together in the locker room one time mm-hmm. and we talked about it. And then we talked about it by class. And then we talked about it by stroke. And wow. then we talked about it individually. <laughs> I didn't know that. And we had, uh, it probably went on for, I don't know, probably four or five or six weeks in terms of every single day, there was at least one meeting about um, trying to understand what people's feelings were about. Mm. So at, fir- at first, many of the guys were stunned. They obviously had never heard of anything like this. Mm. And then uh, guys needed time to process it. And uh, the feelings would, would waver up and down based on the day. And, um, you know, they, they all were very honest with me about, you know, very rarely anything negative more in terms of like everybody i think service level was in favor of it Mm -hmm. but then you know the questions come like where's skylar going to change where's skylar going to shower what's skylar going to do on the bus who's going to room with skylar on the road Mm -hmm. like um you know just a lot of logistical things that were all very well thought out in Mm -hmm. terms of like have you thought about this kevin like you know is it even to a very large extent. I mean, the, all teams at Harvard, including ours, like to try to win. Was this going to decrease our chances of winning that year because uh, it was going to have us focused on something other than practicing hard and doing well in races? Mm-hmm. Um, and we covered all of that. And I think that um, there were a lot of I don't knows going on, both from me and from the guys in terms of like, I, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen next week. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you that I'm going to communicate with you up front, uh, specifically to the guys. Uh, I'm going to keep communicating with Skylar about what everybody else is feeling and what Skylar's feeling and keep those those lines of communication open. So, yeah, lots and lots of discussions. And then on top of that, there was a lot of you sitting in the office and crying a lot of the time because life was not going the way that you wanted to. <laughs> uh, but that's also yet again, not unusual in terms of for both of our teams. One of the main parts of our jobs is to see if somebody's off to bring them in a comfortable environment and let them vent about whatever's going on in their life. I don't care what it is, but to get it off their chest and to say, this is what I'm feeling. And there's a lot of tears that take place in our offices. And that's, um, helpful i think in terms of one we can't help unless somebody shares mm-hmm. uh a lot of times we don't know the answers there's a lot of other people that we can get involved in, in a place like this that can help us out that know a lot more than we do um and then there's a lot of teammates that can help out as long as people are willing to share too so it's it's not you know just because you were in here doesn't mean that like i did also didn't like 30 minutes before that have somebody else in here in the same exact <laughs> situation with a different different type of issue right so um 
Yeah, but you know, the more people think through this and in terms of like a human being who is in front of you that you mm -hmm. can have the ability to try to make feel better about themselves, uh, most people usually get to that conclusion sooner rather than later. Right. I think that's, you know, that's something that both of you, again, um, did so well, which is you didn't, it sounded like you didn't take any bias, any, you know, um, even maybe negative beliefs you might have had about trans people and put them on me. I felt very much that you were just approaching me as a person. And I think consistently, I felt that um, you wanted what was best for me for my mental health for my performance, of course, in the pool, but starting with just me as a human. Um, and, and, and I hear that, especially stuff as you were talking about you, you said this so many times to me when when we were having all these conversations of like i can't as a mother have you do anything that's going to be bad for your mental health i don't want to push you in any direction right or, or or hold you back from really being your whole self um and kevin the conversations i had with you too were i think you, you had a, a, a very like direct approach about it where you're just like i want you to to swim and i want you to go to school and i want you to be happy doing it and that's it like it's very it's simple it's about <laughs> as much as i can process in certain things <laughs> So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that uh, at, especially at a place like this where you're dealing with really intelligent young people, that they can get lost in the fact that they're in a pretty good spot overall mm. and they can take a deep breath and figure out a couple small steps to enjoy life more or learn more in the classroom or get better in swimming. Uh, but sometimes the level of intelligence gets in the way of thinking too far out and figuring out obstacles that either don't exist or that are so far in the future that we can't plan for them yet. Mm. And um, I think a lot of that was the same with you. It's like you had no resources to go to in terms of uh, there not being any Division One athletes before you. So they couldn't get on the phone with you and say like, hey, I'm feeling this way. What am I supposed to do about this? Or mm. is it a big deal or is it not a big deal? So there was a lot on your shoulders that um, – hopefully people following you don't feel the same exact burden because you're doing things like this and people are sharing their stories about what's going on. You said that people asked about, um, uh, my participation, like lowering the team's like success. And, sure. and I was just, I wanted to know if that actually happened. Do you think that my, my being on the team did lower the athletic and I want you to be as honest as you can, like, was there a negative impact from me being on the team, athletically speaking? Uh, 95% of the time it heightened us because guys could see how hard you worked and work ethic is pretty much everything. So if somebody's working hard, um, there were some issues around like your, you know, the shoulders problems, but no different than what would be with like somebody had a back, back or an ankle issue, something like that. The one time I think it decreased our performance is when 60 minutes was at the Columbia <laughs> meet and yeah. my guys were far more concerned with getting in front of the camera for 60 minutes, cheering <laughs> you on in your races than they were about going fast. So I was concerned about whether we were going to win the dual meet or not. We did win it. We that. did win the dual meet, but it was not as easy as it should be. And we should have won it in the first half of the dual meet conceivably, but we tended to drag it out because everybody was trying to figure out where the cameras were having to having a good time. So, uh, no, it was it it did enhance um, our athletic ability because I think Steph and I are both believers that if you are working on trying to create better human beings with really good values, then obviously athletics is going to come up sort of just by by nature. Um, but you know the media does does sure. take away from things at certain points if you're if you're in the middle of an athletic competition. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that that was hard for me too having sure. the, the media there too. So I I, I hear you. I, I appreciate that. I'm curious if 
so I, I know I felt very alone during the process, not because I didn't have support from you all and from the teams, but because of what you just said, I didn't have other trans athletes to look to. Um, and I, I, that was really hard. And I think now that I know what trans community feels like now that I do have support now that there are other trans athletes, I think it's even more striking how I, how I didn't have that sort of community then, but I was very supported with you all. You all also didn't have other coaches to turn to, to call, to talk to about this, the experience that you were going through. Um, so I'm curious if, if you felt alone and if so, how you two dealt with that. Well, I didn't feel alone in terms of like Steph and I could talk about it all the time. So it certainly mm -hmm. wasn't like, as opposed to us, where there were at least two of us versus one of you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and some of the issues, well, quite a bit of the issues, and Steph can speak to this too, in terms of the people are going through changes as young adults, regardless of whether it's trans or other or types of things that are going on. There's still a certain pattern to it in terms of coaching. Right? Mm -hmm. So if there's, I mean, you were going through the eating disorders before that, there's some similarities to people going through crises of identity that we sort of see more often than not in the 20 years of coaching that we've been through. And there are other great coaches at Harvard too, in terms of like, you know, we could say like, hey, this is not obviously the same exact situation that uh, we're dealing with, but when you have somebody on your team who is maybe a little bit of an outlier, how would that coach deal with it? Right. Same with the administration. The administration has a lot, so had a wealth of uh, experience in that department too. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I think there's, we do have, we had each other, but we also had resources behind the scenes with administrators, um, you know, the other staff that they could refer us to. Um, coaches, you know, it, it is, there are other coaches that we each connect with mm -hmm. that have, it, because as coaches, you do see a lot, sure, a lot sure. <laughs> of different things. Um, kind of being a therapist and a coach yeah. and a teacher. <laughs> and it is, sometimes it's things that you just can't even, like you just would never, you think you've seen it all and then you just haven't. Right. And so, but there is, as Kevin says, like a pattern to like, you just need to start with listening. Mm. Just sit and listen. That's the first thing you do. You can't solve anyone's problems, but you can figure out how you can point them in the right direction, ask the person what they need from you and sort of take it from there. Yeah. And so knowing, I definitely heard Kevin and I talked about your first year and I did hear from some of um, your classmates who were, you know, on my team, uh, the 2019s, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, who became close to you. Mm -hmm. They were the, the year below you initially after mm -hmm. you, but then became your classmates and they were, Always, in, in my opinion, they were they were there, ready to listen and they were. be that sounding board for you um, to bridge that gap until you became more comfortable with some of the other aspects of being on a men's team, mm -hmm. right? So you were in many ways there's such a positive uh, connection between our two teams that came from you mm. because you were the person that you know helped really unite our teams as well because you had friends, really good friends, not just. Friends, but like yeah. really good friends yeah. on both sides. And, you know, since then, uh, we've really, our teams have certainly gotten a lot closer as well. Hmm. 
Oh, that means a lot to me to hear. I think, honestly, at the time, I, I was very close with the class of 2018, on uh, the women's mm -hmm. class of 2018, because that's who I'd been recruited with. Yeah. Um, and they were big supports for me during that time, because I, I had hung out with them for years at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and class of 2019 as well, because I, in many ways, I did feel safer still with many of the women, because I swum with women for my whole life at the time. Um, and the freshmen, I think, on the men's team were probably the most difficult to deal with <laughs> compared to the, the group. I mean, they're the, the, the youngest, they're the ones who had not been a part of those 46 weeks of conversations, like you sure. said. Um, so I think that having the women's team was so important to me. And I remember feeling really like self-conscious about that because there, there was like this, I was worried that the guys would then continue to see me as not, you know, man enough or something because I was aligning myself with the women's team. So it's really lovely to hear that it actually was this sort of unification that happened over time, um, perhaps starting from, from some of their, um, Kevin, when I was on the men's team, um, we had bumps along the way. We had, you know, I would say for the most part, you and I never had any bumps. And I've actually told people this where people are like, well, you know, how did, how did things happen? How did things progress after you were on the men's team? And I've actually, I remember never having to correct you on any terminology. You never said anything weird about trans people, which I was impressed by quite honestly, because there's not a lot of other. I'm pretty sure I screwed up on pronouns. Did you? At least I had, initially, I think no. it was hard for me to to figure out how to say the pronouns the right way. And um, like even now, when I think about, um, like when I'm talking with you about like, let's say that you're in sixth grade. Yeah. Do I say him or her? I always encourage people to use the pronouns that I still use. So now, so you'd say he, okay, you use right. he, him pronouns. See, like there's a lot of stuff yeah. I still don't know. That's okay. I think that's probably the only way that you felt comfortable though, is me just admitting that I'm a moron and that I can just, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Can you tell me what I'm supposed to do in this situation? I think it really, uh, and I don't ever want to put that burden on any trans athlete. Mm. They have to be the ones who are educating everybody out there. That's not fair to them, mm. but I think that you were a big help to me in terms of like, I think this would make me feel comfortable. And then, yeah, I, I, I wanted to make sure that you, as any other athlete on my team, was comfortable when they were around me so I could figure out what the heck was going on and how I could be of service to them, either athletically or in life stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that, I don't remember you ever misgendering me, actually, to my face, so maybe you, you struggled without me there. So that's better. Well, there's than a lot of stuff there, that goes into my mind that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. So like that, it could have happened internally. Gotcha. Um, well, I remember our, we have, we have, we had a very good relationship for, for college. I bothered you a lot because my shoulder bothered me a lot. Um, but as, aside from that, um, we did have some bumps on the team and we don't, I, there's no need to name names, but sure. I'm curious how you ended up dealing with that because I think I remember wanting to, how do I say this best? I remember wanting to just be like anybody else on the team. I didn't want to stand out, but obviously right. I, I did in many ways. Um, and I still, some of my best, my best friends now are from the team. Um, and so I have very good relationships with many of the guys sure. and there were bumps. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how, if you could talk about us, us dealing with that and how we, how, how you dealt with it. Well, I mean, sometimes as a coach, you can see on the pool deck that something's not working. Hmm. Uh, so there would be some times where I'd be proactive, but they're probably more often than not, it was either in meeting with you or meeting with individuals on the team. And I was pretty aware of who was more sensitive to having a trans athlete on the team than mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get them to express clearly and have them think about what the issue was and why it bothered them. Mm. Uh, and that usually like, again, came into two camps. The, the primary one is going to make our team slower. Because the guys want to win, right? Sure, sure. And they don't want the distraction and 
So it was, and at that point, I don't know, we hadn't won a lot, I don't think at that point. So there was a lot of like angst in terms of like, we got to start winning again. Like this is, you know, building up this is a number of years at this point. Sure. And, um, and then, you know, the, the second part was like, it's just so different for them that they are like, I can't process hmm. what's going on in terms of, uh, you know, Skylar changing in the locker room or like, you know, Skylar's talking about this all the time. And I'd rather talk about a different subject than just talking mm. about what's going on and um, somebody whose life who's having a big change. But that's normal. So like, I mean, if somebody's like dealing with a big project in school, that's what they're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so like it's it's normal. Um, but, you know, if you sit down with people that I think that have been admitted here. Harvard does a pretty good job of finding good human beings to mm. occupy spaces at Harvard. And they all really want to be of help to other people. So if you take the initial first six, eight months that you were on the team, um, you know, it, it was uh, a, a lot of productive conversations, but they, they ebbed and flowed in terms of like some days guys would come in hot, some days guys would come in cold. And, uh, but then the important thing is like, I mean, do you remember how the guys spoke about you at uh, the senior banquet and what they said in those speeches yeah. about how you made a difference in their lives? And like they readily admitted, which I, I appreciate about them is like they didn't know what the heck was going on <laughs> that first year. Right. They're like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. And they were like resistant to it because they were fear, you know, fearful of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like what those guys said about you at the senior banquet was pretty outstanding i mean they talked about how like they were able to see that people who are different in life you should try to understand them and embrace them first rather than trying to make them feel uncomfortable and go away <laughs> which is like basically yeah. a great life lesson yeah. right yeah. and some guys got to that point sooner rather than later but yeah. i think they all got to it by the time they graduated yeah and you know you taught that lesson not only to my team but steph's team and everybody else that, that has heard your story and that's important mm. I remember um, muddling through some of that at the time, and I had I had advice from a parent actually of of one of the athletes on the team, and he 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 pulled me aside once when I was struggling, and he said, "Listen, if you leave, you won't make any differences. If you if you quit the team, you won't be able to impact change. And I know you want to impact change." Yeah, that was a um, parent of a captain, right? Yes, it was a parent so of a captain. Wisdom goes from from one generation to the next we'll take that that's good stuff. yes it was a parent of a captain and it was a very it was the conversation i carried with me for the rest of my time because sure. like you said i i did i think a lot of the educational burden did fall on me in moments throughout college um mostly because we didn't know what we were doing right and we were trying our best and i knew everybody was trying their best and i think that also helped me keep going but it was tiring also to do all of this yeah. and i think that 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 father when he sat me down, it was early. It was like before actually the, the first season began. Um, he was like, I know you're going to make a difference here because you're here, but you have to be here to make that difference. And he said, you need to actually establish relationships with people in order to, to have them shift, in order for them to actually see you. You can't just go around and be like, here I am and expect it to, to shift. Right. Yeah, you need to connect with people and they need to yeah. they need to learn and grow at the same time as you need to learn and grow. And if you're not present, then that's certainly not going to happen. We'll be right back with Dear Skylar in a minute.
Well, I, I want to be mindful of your time, so we, we could I could I could ask you questions about about these things for a long time. But um, as we begin to wrap up, you've you've mentioned a couple um, sort of takeaways that you have specifically that the team has taken away, whether that be more co combination between the men and women's team, whether that be, you know, so people understanding that difference isn't actually a bad thing, that we should be respectful to people. Um, what are the takeaways that you all have um, learned from your experience of having a trans athlete on your team, not actually on your team staff, but, you know, experience of, of here at, at Harvard? Well, I think I think she would consider you, and they, the women would all consider you a teammate. You. I don't think that Sure, <laughs> yes. <laughs> she would, everybody um, considers you on both teams. Okay, so on, on your team, both of you are on your teams um, or on the collective HSD team. Um, I'm curious what advice you have like gathered, garnered that you would give to other coaches, other administrators, um, coaches, or potentially uh, teachers, professors in supporting trans student athletes or just transgender people generally. Do you want to start? Well, I, I, uh, I, I am fortunate enough that, uh, when I continued my schooling, one of the big projects that I did was um, trying to gather trans athlete stories, both good and bad, from mm -hmm. multiple different sports. You wrote your dissertation on. on I did. And uh, what I learned from that is, to oversimplify it, if trans athletes are in a supportive environment from coaches especially, but then also teammates and also administrators, they're probably going to get a really good education. Mm -hmm. which is going to reflect in a really good GPA, which is going to reflect in getting a really good job. If trans athletes are not supported by any of those three categories, you can be pretty well assured that they're going to try to kill themselves at some point. Mm -hmm. And so I try to keep that in mind. If anybody asks me about like, you know, is this worth doing? Did it take away from your competitive performance, all that kind of stuff. And like, if you need to look at it, like in really black and white terms, you're either going to have a kid that's going to try to kill themselves or you're going to try to help them out in life. There's really no choice. Mm. And, and keep it that simple in terms of like, if you can help somebody in front of you, why, and it's not going to take an enormous amount of time and it's not like going to overwhelm you, which I think it does, obviously, the trans kids, that's, it becomes their overriding thing. And I want them to make sure that they're enjoying the other aspects of their life at the same time. But, uh, you know, talking to other coaches and stuff, it's like, it's, it's worth it because you can make a difference in really stark terms right. if you choose to engage with it. Now it's not easy and it's not, it's easier for a trans man than it is for a trans woman. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that sure. in terms of context and competitiveness and athletics brings a whole nother dynamic to it. But like, if you're going to try to serve others, then stop talking about it. Just do it. Mm. Thank you. It's all I got, stuff. I got but nothing I else. I feel like I don't even know how, how to <laughs> add to that, really. I mean, I echo what Kevin says. You just keep it simple. I mean, no one's – they're just – if there's a trans athlete who wants to try out for your team, I mean, you just have to give somebody a try. Mm. Like, don't put judgments out there until you get to know the person, you understand the context, you just – be human first. Like mm. you're a coach. Your job is to coach. Like, what does it matter? Mm. Um, but that's just, again, being overly simplified. And I agree with Kevin. Like there can be a lot of life or death. Like you've got to keep it simple. No one's asking the coach to go out there and be the therapist and everything else. You mm. just, sometimes people are just looking for someone to take their side and give them a chance. Yeah. And can we just start there? Mm. 
I think, I think, you know, the, the answer that you gave is so powerful and, and it is simple to some degree, right? That black and white is actually what I talked to a lot of folks about. There's research that supports that if, um, if, a, if a trans child has at least one supportive adult in their life, it drastically reduces their, uh, their rate of suicide. Right. And I think, you know, with the 41% of attempted or, or completed suicide for trans youth up to the age of like 23 or 24, um, it makes it, it is that life and death. And I know for me, it was in many ways. And I, I think I've told you to both this on multiple occasions, but can't ever tell you enough. You both did save my life in many ways. I, I swimming saved my life because I was able to swim and that allowed me the space to disconnect actually from the world and to disconnect from all the things that were hard for me. Um, but being able to have support from both of you allowed me to keep that safe place, keep that safe haven um, while also keeping myself. Because I think a lot of, for a lot of my, childhood, I lost myself because swimming became the way to distract. And and what you two gave me was the ability to not only swim and keep swimming, but also keep myself as I did so. Um, so I'm, I'm so grateful for for both of you. And I, I, I hope that you can feel that from me. Hope you know how grateful well, I am. We, I, I think we both understand that. But then I also, speaking for both of us, I think you have to understand how much better you made our lives. And at the same time, how you helped us become better educators for that group of students but then moving forward mm -hmm. so we we have a little bit better coaching tools to make everybody a little bit more uh successful in life after they get out of here coaching and just people skills mm. you know you've taught us a lot you've taught us probably way more than we taught you i'll just <laughs> speak to myself yeah, for no, myself. I you taught us a lot and you know i know it was exhausting along the way for you but i continue to learn from you and that just makes me a, a better person. And I appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Last question to wrap up, jumping off of what you just said. Um, if you could share one thing that you did learn from having a trans athlete, like having me on the team, what would, what would that be? I don't know if I'm, this might be me digging more, but if you have like a takeaway, you said you, you learned a lot that I taught you a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious. I'm just, just genuinely curious, actually. What, what is it that you learned from me? Um, I would say first is don't be afraid to ask questions. Like if mm. you don't have the answers, it's okay. I had to trust you that you'd be okay with me saying, ah, this is all new and I don't mm. know. And I don't have the answers. And I remember specifically telling you in my office, I will screw up. Mm. I'm going to probably mess up a pronoun. I'm probably going to mess up something. And you said, that's okay. I'll correct you. Great. I'm okay with that. Mm. So First, not being afraid to just ask questions and admit when you're wrong. Second, I think just understanding that just because, and I think I, I've, I, you know this, everyone knows this on a, on a level that just because someone's not specifically like you, um, you want to stop and listen. But I think it was really good for all of us as a team to also be able to say, okay, hmm. what do we need to do? How can our team, because we had conversations behind the scenes as well. Um, prior to that, how are we going to be able to be as supportive as we can of Skylar mm -hmm. on the women's team mm -hmm. until it became a point where I was like, I feel like we're trying to make this happen mm -hmm. when it would just be easier to see if Skylar would be interested at all being on the men's team. Right. Uh, but being able to really say, what can we do? Mm. And as a team coming from a collective, you know, what, this is a student athlete that's been accepted, you know, 
And just because Skylar doesn't fit specifically as a trans athlete, like what a cis athlete would need, like mm. what, why would that be different? Why can't mm. we just figure out like, so it, it, it really improved, I think our communication skills mm. as a team mm. and our ability to identify that this is different mm. and it's okay. So what can we do to work and uh, and problem solve? Creativity. And exactly. As um, Kevin says before, like the two of us are two heads, which is better than one. I always say on our team, 30 heads is better than one. <laughs> it's not the Steph show. It's not the Kevin show. Like you want to be able to educate your athletes and value their feedback because collectively you can come up with some really good insight. So that was another, I guess, more of a reinforcement into how we were doing things on our team mm. made sense. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of a greater awareness to like be looking for individuals and how can you help them better. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, on my end, it was just like, I learned from you that you have the guts to be yourself. Mm. Like you were not afraid to be an advocate, not afraid to tell people how you felt. And that takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage to do that. And I think that for me personally, I've gotten better at communicating with my athletes because I'm I'm more direct in terms of approaching things and hopefully in a very kind and constructive way. But like, no, if, if the athlete sitting in the chair across from me is feeling a certain way and they want to be that person, go for it. Mm. Right. Don't don't let society tell you what the deal is. Don't back off from any challenge. If this is who you are deep down inside, have the guts to do it. And so I think that. I'm more comfortable being that way myself too now, mm. having after having gone uh, through and being a trans athlete is not easy in any way, shape or form. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts to do that. And so you just sort of sit back and go, Ooh, maybe I could probably be a little bit tougher in terms of like sticking <laughs> up for what I believe in and stuff like that, because uh, it's hard. Mm. Um, okay, one last extra question. Sorry. So I know, Kevin, you wrote your dissertation on the, what trans athletes experience in um, in athletics. And I, I just want to know why you chose that. Like, why did you chose well, to I, write I about specifically that? chose it because uh, nobody had really done it before. Mm. Um, and Steph and I learned a lot through that, this entire process. And there there are some very small studies on trans people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, multi-generational in terms of like you might they some people have uh, interviewed seniors some people have interviewed teenagers all that sure. kind of but the there were no studies on trans athletes mm -hmm. and there are still very few <laughs> right and there are still very few and um i think it's important for people to be able to go and read something because pe some people do better learning through talking some people do it better by sitting back and you know, opening up a, a computer and looking at, at a document and really hearing what people are saying and taking the time to process because they can see the words. So I wanted to capture that simply because uh, the stories that the trans athletes had, positive or negative, like, and it's it's written in their words. It's not written in, in my words. Uh, you read them and you go, oh, I get it now. Mm, like, that's mm. a big, like, Look at some of their stories if you get a chance. I will. Uh, it is it is pretty remarkable. Even for people who had the best of experiences, there were some low points because of the unknown and or they were just going through it and they're just trying to figure it out themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that capturing those stories um, 
for hopefully a long period of time is something that will one educate people now. And then the second thing is like, uh, maybe more people will choose to study trans athletes moving forward. Because if you look at the percentages, the percentages are only going to go up mm. in the next decade or two. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you, that you chose to, to write about us because I think not many people do and not many people do with actual experience with us as well. Right. I think a lot of people kind of write about trans people as some kind of science experiment. And I know that you were doing so from a place of, of, of true understanding of love, of, of compassion. Yeah. And I learned a lot at the same yeah. time. So it made yeah. me a better coach and uh, made me a better person. So my, God, my own curiosity, though, yeah. you started doing, when did you, what you were doing? I remember walking in here and this yeah. was, I swear before we even recruited okay. Tyler. You were lying on this couch and you had this book. <laughs> and I remember walking in and the title of the book was, uh, I don't know. It was something. Something trans. <laughs> I, no, it wasn't trans specifically, okay. but it was LGBTQ oh, something. Sure, yeah. And I remember like, what, look, I'm like a little light reading. What are you doing, Kevin? <laughs> and I was, was trying to figure out where I was going with my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, <laughs> I feel like you uh, like, Maybe my timeline's off, but I feel like no. It probably. I mean, as Skylar alluded to before, in terms of being in graduate school, like there's a lot of really good classes about things that I don't know anything about. Right. It, it fascinates me to learn about things. Um, so I think that, I, were... that I am completely uncomfortable with. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so. Like yeah. I grew up in an era where, back in the '80s in high school, like I mean, the word "gay" came out of our mouth like every three seconds, and it was completely to put people down. I mean, mm -hmm. I hate to admit that, but that's mm -hmm. the, that's the truth of where, where I was at that mm -hmm. point in my mm -hmm. life. And, um, so I wanted to understand and not feel so uncomfortable around people. And mm. hopefully I yeah. learned a little bit, but so, I mean, yeah, you probably saw me reading some weird books that didn't well, make any I, sense. Just, and you're like, I try to go in the weirdest direction possible because it, it, I like <laughs> doing things that make me uncomfortable because I think it hopefully helps me become a better yeah. human being. And, yeah. I, and I knew you were reading it obviously for class, but I just, my point to Skylar is I think that Kevin's had you started so doing the dissertation on you know a trans athlete it was I don't want to say it was a logical because you want to learn yeah it was logical it, though, but, I, but I you cared had about the subject started yeah. to do research prior right. and then I think certainly meeting you was like probably that would just made sense mm -hmm. yeah I mean right. I think the class Skylar was talking about in particular was I took one at the graduate school in terms of LGBTQ um and education and how you mm, yeah. best work people into the classroom and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really, it's a really impactful thing when you're, you know, you can talk about data in terms of like how you educate somebody, but then like, if you really bring it down to a personal level, that's when somebody's going to learn. Yeah. Well, thank you all. I just, I so appreciate you sharing that, especially because not every coach has a trans athlete on their team. And so hearing from you too, I think can help other people learn as well, prepare for when they might have a trans athlete on their team. Um, I, I think that um, we we know that diversity greatly improves any space in, in many ways. There's lots of research that supports that, but hearing the testimony from both of you is, is really meaningful. Um, I don't know how to thank you enough. I really don't. Like I, I want you to know how how grateful I am, and and I truly want you to hear the the gratitude from other people that I've you know I've I've given speeches to tens of thousands of people at this point, and and everybody has has shared their gratitude for both of of you two's reception of me, your behavior, your your sort of example that other people can lead from, um, because it's not only trans athletes that feel alone; it's those that support us that can also feel alone. Um, and so I think having your example, especially from a place like Harvard, has been um, truly life saving for so many for so. Many any of us. So um, 
thank you so much for for your support of me and thank you for this the podcast as well yeah. no problem happy yeah. to thank help you Tyler. had a good time Thank you to both Kevin and Steph. Steph also just recently announced that this past season was her last. The women's team at Harvard will have a new coach for the first time in almost three decades, 26 years. What an incredible tenure. Steph, you've impacted so many lives, and I just want to thank you again for all that you do to ensure that your statement can be fulfilled. Happy swimmers are fast swimmers. You coached with so much compassion and love, and I think that pretty much any coach can take inspiration from your work. For me, this episode was so special for so many reasons. I graduated college more than four years ago, and being able to look back on our time together with the coaches and the teams over the last decade, really, was powerful and enlightening. Clearly, these two humans have a lot of love and compassion to give really anybody, but especially their athletes. And I think we all can learn from them. So let's answer the question directly. How can coaches support their trans athletes? You've heard me say the word compassion or compassionately repeatedly throughout this episode, and that's because I think the number one answer to the question is having compassion, right? I think the coaches thought deeply about what I needed and how they could potentially provide that to me, and that required compassion, empathy, understanding. It also sometimes required not understanding. In many ways, the coaches did not understand every single thing that I was going through, but they made space for it anyways. They let me lead. And one of the things that I like to to talk about frequently that I think the coaches also hit on is a combination between support and agency. And you actually need a balance between the two because if you provide too much support, you suffocate the person you're trying to support and you remove all agency. But if you give them too much agency, then they feel alone, like they're all by themselves. And one of the things that I think that my coaches did perfectly was find a balance between the two. They provided me with enough support that I felt like I wasn't alone, but they also afforded me enough space that I also had my own self-determination. I had my agency. I think this is crucial when we're thinking about supporting trans athletes. In my opinion, the coach's compassion, support, and agency were facilitated by one central skill, communication, and great communication at that, with me, between each other, and with the rest of the team, my teammates. Great communication includes compassion, but it also includes honesty and transparency. Great communication includes admitting when we don't know, when the coaches say, I'm not sure, or when I said, I don't know. And when we might have done something wrong or caused pain in some way, great communication is about taking responsibility too. Great communication allows everyone to step in and try their best, and therefore to be their best. Of course, there is no one answer to how coaches can support their trans athletes, but I sure can point to two human examples, my coaches, Kevin and Steph. I know I wouldn't be here without them, and I'm so grateful for that and for all that I've learned from their generosity and their humanity and their ability to recognize my humanity. In this world where so many people are trying to deeply dehumanize trans people to put us in this category of other, Kevin and Steph are beacons of light. They are reminders that at the end of the day, sport are just sports and humans are at the center of it all, that our humanity is what should be valued and cared for and prioritized. What do you think of today's answer? Send me your thoughts or any question you would like to ask me by going to dearskyler.com. You can send me a message via text or even better, a voice message. Dear Skyler was written and hosted by me, Skyler Baylor, for Diversion Audio. Our producer is Antonio Enriquez and supervising producer is Mark Francis. 
Guest booking by Anthony Lopez and Keith Lowry with assistance from Corey Michibata. Our head of development is Jacob Bronstein with Emma DeMuth. Custom music by Tyler Cash. Our head of marketing is Nisha Gopalan. Executive producers for Diversion Audio are Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, Susan Canavan, and Scott Waxman. Diversion Audio.